0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. Well, good morning to you. It is really, really good to feel good. You know, it really is. And so, like I said earlier, we're praying for those that aren't feeling well. And and we want you to get better. And I know it's going around, but uh, we want you to be full of strength. And so I'm going to pray that way. Can I pray over you and your families and for those that are listening on uh, Facebook that you be well as uh, as well. And so we want to pray that way. Father, we pray for... your healing strength and power work working in our lives. And so we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch us, that you would heal us. Thank you for this amazing grace that you're constantly and freely giving to us. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Well, because of some sickness, I haven't been here the last couple of weeks. Well, I was here a few weeks ago. I barely remember that because I had a 102-degree fever, and uh, so I've preached, and, and I wasn't trying to avoid you, please forgive me if you thought I was trying to avoid you, well, I was trying to avoid you, I was trying to avoid you getting sick is what I was trying to do, so I just kind of came up and, and gave a message and then slipped out and uh, went home and, and uh, died, and uh, so, no, I, 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 and I rose again, and so... Um, <clears throat> But uh, I always like to take a a moment, a little bit of time, and just reflect on the past year. We're in January, believe it or not. Do you know that Christmas was only a month ago? seems like a year ago to me. I don't know. Maybe it's different for you, but it seems like a long time ago. And uh, it's good to think back and say, what happened in 2017, and where are we going in 2018? I think it's a good idea. Uh, In 2017, one of the things that I was so uh, blessed by, pleased by, is this... um, This amazing team that the Lord has put together, preaching team, and here at our churches, the teams that have come together. And uh, most of you may have figured this out. I'm not sure if you did or not. But I preached in 2017, I preached only 50% of the time. I preached half the time. And the reason I'm telling you that is because there's reasons why I only preached half the time. One is mental health. It's always good to take a little time every now and again and rest, Uh, to sustain something that goes 90 or 100% of the time for a long period of time is just really not sustainable or feasible. And so uh, some of that had to do with mental health, but the other had to do with leadership development, that we are in a church, you know, we've been called, sometimes we've been called this is a, a hospital for us to recover and heal, but it's also a teaching hospital, and so we have a lot of great leaders that are part of what goes on here. And last year, uh, we had this amazing team that we put together. Let me show you. I think we have them up there right now. Put them all, all the pictures up there. There. This is our preaching team. And I'm so, th- can you let them know you appreciate them? This is really a, um, this is a great team. This is a great team. And so we really believe in making disciples who make disciples for Jesus. Now, when I was growing up in ministry, early on in ministry, uh, I never had the opportunity really to preach on a Sunday morning. It was like they didn't give me the keys to the car. They They didn't want me to drive. They didn't trust me. And I thought to myself a long time ago that I'll never do that, that what I want to do is give uh, all those that are involved in ministry, as many as I can, give them opportunities to really grow. And this team has done a a fabulous job. So we're about making disciples that make disciples for Jesus. But there's a third reason I was only on for about 50% of the time, and that's this. Did you know your family tree keeps growing and it grows outside of these walls? That we have people literally all around the globe uh, that are from here, that they, they say this is their church home, their church family, and they're, they're ministering in a variety of different ways. And something I felt so convicted over going into 2017 was I needed to connect with the rest of our family. So I've spent a lot of time really connecting with the rest of our family, Albania being part of that, uh, other pastors and leaders being part of that. You know, when I first got here, um, I might have gotten one call every six months or a year from a pastor who was saying, hey, I need some help. Can you help walk me through this struggle, whatever it might be? And certainly I'd want to help. I want to offer any help I can. Now, folks, it's probably three or four, five times a week that you have pastors calling, leaders calling this place And saying, hey, I'm in a jam. I need some help. Can you pray for me? Can you help me through this process? And so you see what's happened here is whether they've, uh, individuals have come, have grown up here and gone out, or we've adopted them. You know, we've adopted a lot of leaders too because they just haven't had home uh, churches or mentors in their life. And you are one of those churches that provide mentorship for other, uh, other leaders around the world. And so I'm proud of you. And I just wanted to tell you that so you got a good idea of what was going on now. Going into 2018, it'll be more than 50% of the time. In fact, you'll probably be tired of me in about three or four weeks because I'm on for the next three or four weeks. But uh, we're going to head into, listen to this, we're going to head in and study the book of 1 Thessalonians starting next week. And I love the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's entitled, the series is going to be entitled, Genuinely Living for Jesus, The Journey of Loving Others. And what does that look like? It's a journey of loving others. I'm excited about that. We go into our Easter. We have our Easter. Easter's early this year, April 1st, and it's no fools. It's not. A f- it is April 1st, and so then after that, you can look forward to going through and studying the Book of Colossians, the the supremacy of Christ. And what a great thing to study after the resurrection of Jesus is his supremacy. I mean, his deity, his greatness. And so we're going to do that and be in these places for the next. Uh, Oh, six months. So I want you to be excited about that. I'm going to pray that you are, that you can even start to dive in and study some of these books in the Bible. And uh, I think it's going to be great. Well, right now what we're doing is we're in a series titled, Overwhelmed, with a question mark. And so here's what we're saying. Are you overwhelmed? And what is it that overwhelms you, especially as you go into a new year? Uh, We've talked about emotional health and mental health and spiritual health in these recent weeks. Uh, And what we're doing is we're asking the question, what are those things in life and relationship that overwhelm you? What are those things? And, And that the good news of Jesus Christ is about overcoming what overwhelms. And so the response to those things that overwhelm us is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, I love the good news of Jesus Christ. And what he stepped up in his inauguration and ministry, what he stepped up and he said, hey, this is what I'm about. I want you to see this. It's Luke 4, 18 and 19. It says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That is his proclamation. That's the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this planet. And in turn, we've been given that same responsibility. That wherever we go, whatever we do, we have this responsibility above everything else to live out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what the good news is all about for me. I mean, any of us, many of us have been in those situations where we've been poor in spirit, where we've been captive, where we've felt depressed. And we know this, it's the good news of Jesus Christ that sets us free. Can you say amen to that? And that's what we will preach. And that's what we'll always say. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, a few weeks ago, I I talked with you about one of those potentially overwhelming things in my life, and and I think it might be true with you as well, and that has to do with resentment and how we release resentment. It's a big deal. It's really a big deal today, how resentment is so treacherous to my spiritual health, to my sobriety, and according to the responses that I received, email and otherwise, many of you are dealing with some of the same things. That many in this room are dealing with the issue of resentment, and how do I deal with that? And how do I go through that in a God-honoring way? Well, Ephesians 4, that's where we, where we looked, remember, a couple weeks ago, and we're going to look there again today. But Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul instructs us concerning how we're to release and get over resentments. And so, if you do have your Bible, you can open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4 again. That's Ephesians 4, because it's here But Paul deals with releasing resentment, and here's something else. The full picture is also embracing forgiveness. So it's not only releasing resentment, but it's embracing forgiveness. You know, I've spent a lot of time over the years in ministry in premarital counseling. Um, I'm okay at it. I'm not the... Best at it. There's people a lot better people than I am that, that really do a good job, and they're here and part of your team here. Um, but but when I do sit down and talk to those that are that are entering the covenant of marriage, one of the things that I tell them that they must pay attention to and they must cultivate in their relationship and. Um, and uh, when, I, when I start to tell them about this, when I start to say that it has everything to do with intimacy, it has everything to do with health, um, you know, you can see these young couples just kind of leaning in because they think I'm going to talk about sex. You know, they do. They kind of go, oh, here, here's the sex talk. It's not a sex talk. What I say is this, the thing that you can cultivate and will, will be the healthiest thing you can do in your relationship. Is that you cultivate and foster a spirit of forgiveness in your home? Because even a couple minutes ago, somebody in here needed to be forgiven by a spouse. I'm just telling you. I mean, on the way here, I see some of you come in and you need a lot of forgiveness sometimes, you know. <laughs> but we need to foster the spirit of forgiveness. And I can tell you that that brings longevity and health to a relationship that and I will be married 40 years in a, few, in a month, a month and a half. And I, I know that there's so many things that we've enjoyed, but one of the things that, that has gotten us through some of the most difficult times is that cultivating of forgiveness in relationship. And I, I just want to let you know that, that we need to talk about things like this. Now, if you remember, my last message was about How, you know, according to Ephesians chapter 4, we can get rid of bitterness and anger and replace that with grace and forgiveness. And so I want to be very clear here. I want to make a statement. I stand on this statement. I want to be very clear. This is not a suggestion, but a mandate. Uh, Forgiving others is not a suggestion. It is a biblical mandate because we have been forgiven. We are to forgive others. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, why are you making such a strong point about this, Ron? And the reason I'm making a strong point about this is because we have a tendency in the culture and the age that we live in is to treat the Bible and the Bible's instruction to us like watching Dr. Phil. Oh, that that's really good. That's good. You know, that's really... I think. I think I might do that. Well, I don't know if I can really do that. I might try that later. You see, we treat it as though it's this kind of secular counseling and that if it applies we're okay and you know maybe I will maybe I won't I want to say something right now the Bible doesn't leave you any option here let's make it really clear he does not leave you an option when it comes to being forgiven and forgiving others there's no this is not a Dr. Phil show this is the holy divine living word of God infallible in all of its ways And cuts to our heart and we open our heart and we invite God's word and we say, Lord, you speak to us in deeper ways, in wiser ways than any TV talk show or any self-help book that I could ever read. It's your word and it makes a difference in my life. So this appeal to forgive is not made from a TV show. This appeal is from the cross of Jesus. That's where this appeal comes from, that Jesus died because this was at the heart of his life and message, that we be made right with God and that we also be made right with each other. We have to catch this. So look at Ephesians chapter 4, and what I want to read to you, uh, to start with here is verses 26 and 27. It says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Probably some of the wisest counsel that you'll ever receive. The Bible tells us here that there's an appropriate place for anger. In fact, in the book of James, James says, hey, be slow to anger. Here, Paul says, hey, be angry, but don't sin. So there's something going on here that operates under the constraints of God's Holy Spirit. Now, you know your own will can't control anger. You know that. You've tried it. You know, you say you're not going to. You're not going to be like your father. You're going to be like your mother or be like someone else who set kind of this model of anger and you say it and you wake up and you recognize, wow, I am like that. Listen, it's not going to be overcome by your own will. It's going to be something that's submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit and you live this out according to God's Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can make this and overcome. It's through the strength of, of, of God's Holy Spirit. And what James says again is he says, be slow to anger. Righteous anger, and there are certain things that cause us anger, but in our anger we're instructed not to sin. And we talked about some of those things a few weeks ago. We we talked about we should we should have a righteous indignation when it comes to Racial discrimination, or gender discrimination, or uh, child abuse—those kinds of things—I tell you, there should there should be a righteous anger, but that righteous anger must be Holy Spirit productive. Does that make sense? Uh, it, it it can't be destructive; it needs to be productive, and that's essentially what Paul says. That's what James says. He says let that produce fruit, good righteous fruit. We are to handle our anger in such a way that honors God and honors others. So it's not only productive, but it's redemptive. That I'm asking the question constantly, is this redemptive? Am I walking in a way that redeems and not destroys? I have to keep asking that question, and then it says, here, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry." I think this is really great. What, what it's saying here and remember one of the words for anger is, is "white-hot anger. Uh, the, the word for bitterness is this simmering, horrible, emotional mojo that just is right there under the surface, and it can just come out anytime. It's like the bubbling of lava. It just simmers, and, and then it comes out, and you can't usually control when it comes out. It just comes out at the most inopportune times. That's what, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, don't go to bed that way. You know why? You won't sleep well. Don't go to bed that way. It, just only, in, in, you know, it only increases your cortisol levels of stress. You know, there's a lot of wisdom with this. Don't let the sun... Uh, Go down on your anger. And don't give the devil a foothold. Remember what that means? That means don't give the devil a base camp in your mind and in your heart. Because once the devil gets a base camp, he just doesn't stay in a base camp. He wants to conquer. He wants to take every advantage of every moment he possibly can. And what is the emotion that he wants to capitalize on more than probably anything that you deal with? Anger. Unbridled anger. When the devil gets a foothold on this, then, then, it, then it runs rampant. It's a wildfire. And so Paul's saying, don't let it get a foothold. Don't let, don't let the devil have a base camp in your heart and in your mind. Anger, more than any other emotion, is an opportunity for the devil to have access to whatever he wants to have access to. And I don't want to give him that. I don't want to give the devil access to my mind and my heart. That is reserved for God's Holy Spirit. and, and I want to, It's a sacred thing. And I want to say, God, I want to give this to you. My heart and my mind belong to you. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is at work in the life of a believer to bring out the fruits of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is at work in us To bring out something that is actually opposite of the fruit of anger. And the fruit of the Spirit is opposite of the fruit of anger. And when you look at Galatians chapter uh, uh, 5. You you recognize what's happening here. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All opposite and different than the fruit of of anger, And so when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, this is what we need to, uh, th- this is how we need to be living. This is the fruit that we produce. So Paul says, this is what you need to do to produce good fruit. That's, this is what it looks like. And look at verses 31 and 32. This is what it looks like. So get rid of the weeds now. All right? So the fruit of the Spirit can grow in your life. So go and pull out the weeds. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And then it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God uh, forgave you. Now, you read verse 32. Isn't that a beautiful verse? When you read it, uh, that last part is where it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ uh, just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean, I read that, and it's, it's really something that is a lovely idea. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful idea. In fact, it's something you might stencil and frame and hang on a wall. I mean, you know, it might be something you put in your kitchen or on your refrigerator or in your office. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You just get it beautifully printed out and have it put on your wall and say, wow, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful statement. This statement is so nice in a general sense. And everyone should do it. Everyone else should do it to me. See, that, that, that's, that's the filter. Everyone else should do this and they should do this to me. I should be the recipient of all these good things. When it when you get to the specifics with this scripture, that's when things really get messy. It's when you put real people and faces and circumstances to it. It really gets uncomfortable because there are names and faces that are attached to this. This is where we can trick ourselves into believing that this is about others and not me. <laughs> now, this is about my spouse. This is not about me. I mean, my, my spouse really needs to get their act together. You know, my boss really needs to get their act together. My pastor, he really needs to get his act together. But, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm doing okay with all this. Because if you, if you really knew my story, and that's what we say oftentimes, you, you would say, well, if you really knew my story, if you knew how awful things were, if you knew what had happened to me, um, I would get a pass on this. I wouldn't really have to do this. And I want to say this. I know that there are a lot of horrible things that have happened to many of us in life. But because they've happened to us, it doesn't give us a pass on this. In fact, because they've happened to us, that's why we need this more. That's, that's, why, that's why we need this. And oftentimes we're thinking, am I really supposed to apply this to my ex-spouse? Am I really supposed to apply this to a boss who's not... He's just not, um, you know, unintentionally cruel. He is t- intentionally cruel. Am I supposed to apply it? Am I supposed to apply this, this right here, to a coach who b- berates me? Am I? How, now listen, we're not talking, you don't stand and take abuse. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying there are hard things in all of our lives, and this is why the gospel came. This is why Jesus came, was to deal with this and to deal with the specifics in our life. Those things that you rerun, that we talked about. Remember how we deal with resentment? We either repress it or we rehearse it. Those things that keep running around. Releasing resentment, embracing forgiveness becomes much more difficult when you move it from general to specific. That's what we're going to do here in just a moment because Paul explains this and he gives us the foundation of this in Ephesians chapter four, what we just read. The question is, did Paul have to live this out in his own life? Did he practice what he told us to do? Did he do that? And the answer is yes. And you see that in 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter. Uh, let's see, Second Timothy chapter four, and Paul is writing to Timothy. Now, Timothy is his son in the faith. Now, here's the connection you need to make, that Paul wrote some letters to churches, one of those churches being Ephesians, another Colossians, another Philippi or Philippians. But he also wrote letters to individuals. He wrote a letter to Philemon, but he also writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. And guess what Timothy's doing when he writes this letter to him? Timothy is the pastor of the church of Ephesians. So Paul is saying to the church, this is how you need to live and how you need to release resentment, embrace forgiveness. But Timothy, I'm going to write you and tell you some things that happened to me, some personal hardships, and you need to see how I got through some of those personal hardships. And I'm so thankful for the Word of God that doesn't exclude that out of the repertoire of teaching us. Paul writes to Timothy, who is the pastor of this church, And he says, here it is. And he says this in 2 Timothy 4, verse 14, the first part of it. Paul says this to Timothy, Alexander, you know Alexander? He's saying, you know that guy Alexander, that metal worker? He did a great deal of harm to me. Now, he doesn't go into all the details here, but he says, this guy did me wrong. This this guy did me bad. And this is interesting because... Because Paul doesn't recount the detail of his hurt. He just says this guy did much harm. He, he just tells us that this guy did much harm. And I want to say this. If Paul is saying that much harm has come to him, just given his history and his high pain thresholds in life, you've got to know this guy did him much harm. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't just say, oh, well, I'm not going to give you dessert today when you come to him. No. I mean, he treated him Poorly and horribly, and Paul says that. So, here's how Paul tells us to release resentment and embrace forgiveness. Number one, acknowledge your hurt. That's really the first thing you want to do. You cannot forgive what you refuse to acknowledge. And here's the other side of that. Given how really important we feel we are, there are a lot of hurts that we might encounter that really aren't hurts. It was just my ego getting bruised, and I think it's important you distinguish the difference between the two, all right? Make sure you do that, because the, the, the self-value, the value that we put on self is often a lot higher than we ought to put it on ourself, and, uh, and Paul says, you know, hey, you need to pay attention to this. Your ego's just getting bruised here. You're really not getting real hurt, but your ego's getting bruised here. You know, I've discovered that a lot of people who carry around bitterness and anger, just let things pile up and made things about them that really have never been about them. Now listen, there really are real hurts. I get it. I'm not, I'm not disparaging that. I'm not putting that down. I'm not trying to downplay it. But there are things in life where we're just getting our, you know, our egos get bruised and someone really didn't mean to do it, but we take, we take it personal. I think those are things that we want to watch out for. So sometimes we can make things that aren't significant pretty significant. Forgiveness isn't the solution in these cases. In these cases, giving others grace and the benefit of the doubt is. Just giving others a little room, a little space, and don't be quick to jump to some offense and say, well, they meant to hurt me when it really wasn't about you. Now, I've been around for for a long time, and I know that people have a lot of reasons why they get ticked at me. So I, I'm just, now this is a pastor's disclosure, all right? Maybe you've never heard this before. But I, and I mean, you know, I can do this and, and, and everybody's safe. I'm not, I'm not exposing anybody. So I want to tell you some of the things that people have really gotten ticked at me over. Uh, one time I, I received a, a, a letter and someone had harbored a bitterness against me for four or five years. And the reason they were doing that is because when they were hurting the most, I didn't hug them. And I, if I, if I would have known it, I would have. Honestly, I'd hug you, please. Come here. I'd hug you, like, in an instant. But sometimes we just have oversight. And, and I didn't realize that they had been actually harboring that for a while. And that, that was something that I thought, wow, okay, man, I've got to remember to hug you guys, you know, because I don't want that to happen. Uh, someone said one time, they wrote me a note and said, you know, you're a horrible pastor. You're an awful pastor. You did not see me on Sunday. And it was anonymous. <laughs> Hmm, I don't know. Someone once came to me, and they were mad, and they said, you didn't come and see me when I was sick. And I said, oh, I didn't know you were sick. Did you tell me or tell anybody? No. Uh, uh." I said, I I mean, I'm not God. You know, if I know, I really will. You know, do you see what I'm saying? So those are issues. Um, Someone a while back got mad. They said they came to me, and they said, you know what? You should never preach in the clothes you mow your lawn in. I was wearing blue jeans, and I said, "Oh man, these are my good blue jeans. I'd never mow lawn in these blue jeans, ever. These are my best blue jeans right here. Wouldn't mow lawn in these blue jeans." And sometimes we 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 deal with these kinds of we deal with these kinds of things. So please hear me on this. I want you to hear me. This is where it really gets personal. This is where it can be a little uncomfortable. And I want to say this, and I think it's important. I've done this maybe two or three times in my 30 years here, but it's important that I do it now. Listen, if I've ever, really and honestly, if I've ever hurt you, if I've ever offended you, would you please forgive me? And I mean that with all my heart. Because the best I can tell, I I, I know it's not in me to intentionally hurt people, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes it just happens. And, and I know this. I know in my heart I'm not out to hurt people. I'm absolutely sure that, that I have hurt people. And I'd like to think that most of the time it's not on purpose. And I can truly say that over the years, I really have loved people. Don't like people all the time, but I really love them. That's okay, isn't it? Bible says you have to love them, so. So I want to express that from, you know, really the bottom of my heart. And I want you to know I love you. I really do. Yeah. So I want to say, I want to put this out there. I want to put something out there that some may need to hear. Again, I've only done this maybe a few times in 30 years Listen, if there's something that I have done to offend you or hurt you, and you're just unable to get by that, you're unable to forgive, I understand what a roadblock that is. I understand how difficult that might be. I understand it, but I also want to encourage you to find health. And if it means you need to go to another church to do that, please, with my blessing, do that. Now, I'm not kicking anyone out. Don't go telling people that. But I know there's sometimes you just hold on to things. I know there's sometimes things are just hard to get over. And, and if you're struggling with that and you're struggling that with, with me, I want you to know, I really want you to know I love you. But I want you Healthy. And carrying a grudge, holding on to something doesn't make us healthy. So please know, I say this with no malice. I say this with no bitterness. But out of a deep love for for you and for your spiritual health. If you harbor resentment toward me or this church or our denomination, for whatever reason, and you're unable to get over that, please, for your sake, move on. Get a hold of health. Get a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of his word. I am so passionate about that in your life. This is why I do what I do. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you direction. Allow him to help you find a leader or a pastor that you can can get behind and you can love. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Please hear this. I just would ask this of you. First of all, be honest. Be honest if this has been a pattern in your history. Meaning you just go somewhere, you stay a while, you get ticked off and you leave. If that's a pattern, you have to really look at your own heart. Here's something else. Please pray for me and your leaders more than you talk about us. Please. I beg you. I beg you to pray for us. If you're talking about our political leaders more than you're praying for them, you're on the wrong track. People want to engage me into these conversations, and that knows I don't go there. I don't go there because I don't have opinions. I don't go there because I have to pray. That's my responsibility, that's my obligation. So please pray for your leaders. Pray for them. They need, desperately need your prayers. And the last thing I want to say about this is remember, wherever you go, whoever the leaders are that serve you, they are broken whether you see it or not. And please don't go and live under the illusion that they're okay because the moment they're not, you're gone. And I've given you a lot of reasons and a lot of brokenness. I really have, and I get it. But I know that the world is full of a lot of us, a lot of us. Pray. Walk alongside. Don't let your expectations get so high that no one can live up to. Jesus can't even fulfill the resume, honestly. Bring it to the Lord and say, Jesus, here it is. And I say this to you, not from a position of strength. Please understand me. But this is out of total weakness and humility, especially the last 10 days I've gone through. I felt like I'd been really kicked to the curb, (laughs) spiritually and physically and all kinds of things. I thought I was going to die last Sunday, by the way. I did. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to die. Jesus, come and get me. But you know, when you come to places like that, what it does is it causes you to take inventory in your own heart. And I can honestly say I'm not coming to you out of pride today. I'm not coming to you from a position of strength. I feel really weak right now. I really feel weak. I feel vulnerable emotionally. I do. And that's why I come to you. Receive it as it's been given in Jesus' name. So here's the second thing. Release my right to get even. So how do I do this? i got to release my right to get even. Now, this is one of the hardest things for me. Maybe you can identify. Um, I grew up in an environment where it was important to get even, you know, Uh, especially if you're a competitive kind of thing, you know, in sports. I mean, that's how you... Did what you did. I mean, they they scored on you. You go back and score on them. You're going to get even. And that works okay on a sports field, but it does not work okay in relationship and life. And it really doesn't work okay when you're pastoring people. It's the worst thing you can do. But that is the, the tendency. I mean, I don't know. Constantly, I fight the urge to try not to get even. I think the reason for that is that I'm... A sinner? I think the reason for that is it's my temperament. It's my personality. It's the dark side of the good side. Because I want you to win. I want to overcome. It's in me. I'm driven this way. But the dark side is I want to win. And I don't want nobody doing me wrong. I'd be great at writing a country western song right now. I could do it. You know, Paul acknowledges, what he does is he acknowledges his hurt, and then he releases his right to get even. I love that, what he says here. He, he acknowledges it. He says, I, I trust him with God. I trust Alexander with God. And that's what he says in verse 14. Put verse 14 up there again. Is it on there? Or do we have it somewhere? I, I want to see it again. He says, um, the metal worker did me great harm. And then he went on and says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. So he's returning the get even part of it over to God. You see that? And, and, and so we see, we know that that's what he's doing here. Listen, there is something in us that says, I will get over this when I get even. You know, I'll I'll come to a place of forgiveness when I know I can hurt you like you hurt me. That's not what Paul says here. It's not about when I make them feel the way they make me feel. This is not forgiveness. This is revenge. In Romans 12, 19, Paul says again not to take revenge, but leave those things up to the Lord. Leave those things up to God. Listen, when we insist on getting even, we're putting ourselves in God's place. We're supplanting God and saying, I can do this better than God. Then I'm actually better at bringing guilt on you and shame on you than than God might be. (laughs) Some of us would love to have that role, but it's not ours. God is the one who's just. He is the only one that's righteous. He's the only one that can do what he does. And I know it's not me and it's not you. And when we insist on getting even, we're putting ourselves in God's place. Paul releases it to God and he says, I'm going to let God take care of this one. Listen, we aren't meant to carry the weight of revenge. Did you know that? It is not becoming to you. You look awful. When you carry the weight of revenge, you don't only look awful emotionally, but you start to look awful physically. I've seen people who carry revenge all their life, and oh my goodness, it's like, what happened to you? You wear it. And it's not a good thing for us to wear because we've never been meant to wear it. Paul says in verse 15, you too should be on your guard. He's talking to Timothy against this guy Alexander because he strongly opposed the message. So what's Paul saying? He's saying don't blindly continue in this relationship with Alexander. And he gives Timothy a warning. Paul gives Timothy some boundaries as he moves ahead in leading others in this church. In verse 16, Paul gives another example of being hurt. He says this. He says, in the first part of it, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. What's Paul saying? He said, man, when I needed people the most, they weren't there. They vacated me. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, you're just standing and you're facing whatever it is you're facing alone. And boy, you could use some company and you can use a smile, but maybe it's not there. Paul's saying, that happened to me. Uh, People left me. They they weren't around when I needed them the most. And then in verse, uh, the latter part of that, he said, everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Isn't that great? He did the same thing Jesus did on the cross, did the same thing Stephen did in chapter 7 of the book of Acts. He said, don't, I don't want to hold this against people. I don't. I don't want to do that. Paul immediately releases the hurt. And here's number three, and I'm almost done here. Pray for the person who hurt you. Pray for the person who hurt you. This gets really personal. Some of you may just want to, exit stage left right now say really pray for the person who hurt me listen not easy to do but I can tell you this it helps take care of that hurt and that anger here's how I know I'm praying for the person that hurt me I have a little pain chart have you seen those pain charts when you go in the doctor's office one little smiley one little frowny has a one and goes to a 10 for the worst I use that emotionally to gauge how healthy I am. And I, I, maybe it's something you should do. Because here's how I use it. If I've been hurt, about a week later, I want to pull up that pain chart and say, am I still feeling the intensity of that hurt a week later? Is it still a 10 on the pain chart? If it is, I'm not processing this well. I'm not, I'm not going to the Lord. I'm not praying for the person who hurt me. Because when I don't pray and when I don't process, it stays a 10, and listen, it's the most miserable place to live in relational pain is living with a tin for your whole life. That's not the way we were meant to live life. And Paul says that. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Oh, my Lord. Now, is he doing this for those that have mistreated you? Is this all about taking care of them and making sure they're okay? It's about making sure you're okay because this is the remedy to be okay. As much as I, I, I don't like to swallow in that medicine, you know. <laughs> I watched my grandkid try to take a, amoxicillin the other day. Man, he did everything but blow it out his nose. You know, and I'm thinking, whoa, you, you know, it's, it's going to do you good. Well, I don't want it. This is going to do you good. This is amoxicillin right here I'm giving you folks. Now, it doesn't taste good, unless it's flavored like bubblegum, I don't know. But you don't really want this. But it is the absolute antibiotic. It is what takes care of the infection of anger and resentment. It's what does it. This is how we're called to live. Bless others even when they hurt you. Listen, that doesn't mean trust them. I could get into another st- message there. I'm going to just take for what it is. There is no such power in this when it comes to getting over it, there, there's, there, there, I mean, excuse me, there's so much power in this, this message right here in Luke chapter six to just getting over what needs to be gotten over. In Second Timothy 4:17 and 18, I'm going to finish with this. it says, "But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth." I love that. The Lord will rescue me from evil, every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. What does that remind us? Number four, the last thing, remember God is standing with you. And I want to finish with that. Just remember God is standing with you. I mean, here's all this pain that Paul goes through. What does he end up doing? It's amazing. Paul ends up this passage by worshiping God. Worship him. Worship Him. Paul makes it clear that he is not standing alone, but that God is standing with him. Listen, people will let you down. They won't be there. But God will always, always stand with you. And I want you to hear my favorite verse. I've been given to a lot of you when I write you a little note or a card. I include Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. And I want to repeat it here. It says, The Lord Himself goes before you, and we'll be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. In Jesus' name, do not be discouraged. He will be with you. Would you bow your head? With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I'm going to invite our care teams, our ministry teams, if they would make themselves available for prayer today. and and Because uh, we need that. We need prayer. And uh, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for everyone in this room, for all of us that might be dealing with resentment, that might be dealing with unforgiveness, Just pray, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, we would be able to overcome, that we would release resentment, that we would embrace forgiveness and know this is your way. This is how you've taught us to live. Help us do that. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say together, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.